The enemy has been around a long time, ever since Eden. He hates the Father and thus hates the children of Yahweh. He has one ambition, to keep us out of God's heaven. Peter tells us how to deal with the enemy and how to remain strong. In boxing, focus is critical. A lack of focus for just a millisecond can forfeit the fight to the enemy. How many believers have been KO'd because they've lost their focus and have focused instead on just about everything but the win? With our continuing series, Getting Strong Now. What an excellent bumper. Well, thank you, uh, Mark and John, for putting that together. Really appreciate that. So Pastor Ellen is away again this Sunday, and I have the honor to um, bring forth a word to you today. So we're going to do that in just a moment. Before I do, um, just have to quickly introduce myself. My name's Andrew Thunder, and I've been on staff here for um, about four years now uh, as one of the pastors on staff. So um, really appreciate uh, the church family here and uh, honored to be able to call Cross Church my home. Uh, you know, one of the things that I mentioned in the first service is um, uh, one, th one of the things that I've noticed uh, between the first service and the second service is there's definitely a personality between the two groups. And um, one thing that I noticed is, uh, for some reason, um, it seems like first service is trying to get a little bit competitive as far as um, church involvement, um, uh, congregation involvement during the message. So I just have to mention one little thing. I, I mentioned the word amen, and suddenly there's a whole bunch of people in the front row that are just getting getting super excited and, and getting into, into the message so I want to try something. My, my father actually he used to preach um, different messages um, uh, up north usually. And what he used to say was, um, can somebody say amen in the middle of the message? And then, yep, yep, we got, we got a response here. In the middle of the message, and the whole congregation shouted out amen. So we're going to try it this morning, okay? Will somebody say amen? amen. Oh, amazing. You know what? I'm going to record one of those amens, and I'm going to show it to first service because you guys are... You guys are going places. <laughs> Wait. Um, today we're going to be continuing our series on getting strong now. And for if you haven't been to some of these uh, services within the, the summer, we've been doing this series to talk about how we can better prepare ourselves for some of the things that are to come. Fall is a time where, uh, usually a time of transition, where we begin some, some new things. And usually with all the changes that take place in the fall, uh, oftentimes people go through uh, various struggles and difficulties and anxieties um, that often aren't, uh, don't take place uh, around uh, the summertime. So now is the be better time, the best time, uh, there's no better time than now to get strong now. So we're gonna continue on that series. Uh, before I do, as we talk about summer, uh, oftentimes we associate, or I associate, summer with one of my favorite summer activities, which is camping. How many of you here have gone camping either this summer or sometime in the past? Camping? Okay, we got a lot of campers. Okay, here's another question. How many of you have gone camping in a tent? Okay, quite a few brave people here. All right, excellent, excellent. I like this. I'm, I'm liking the second service more and more, but every moment, you guys are awesome. Okay, so when I was in my first year of Bible college, uh, just after my first year of Bible college, we actually, my brother and I spent the summer uh, tree planting out in BC. 
And uh, for those of you who, who don't know, if you're going to be a tree planter, you need to have a tent. You need to sleep in your tent uh, in an encampment that's usually about uh, a good 100 or so kilometers away from civilized life. So you're in the middle of the wilderness. You're in the middle of nowhere, up in the mountains somewhere. And there's a lot of wildlife out there, quite a bit. Um, how, how many of you know the feeling that comes over you when you're sleeping in your tent and in the middle of the night you suddenly start hearing some rustling noises? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah, you start, you start fe hearing those rustling noises. You, you get a little bit uneasy and, and then you start to wonder, okay, what is out there? Is this, uh, this a small creature or is it, am I just hearing the wind? Is this just the leaves blowing? And, and then you start hearing maybe footsteps. And they're, okay, this is definitely a creature out there. Is this, okay, is this a weasel? Is this a beaver? Or what, what, what are we dealing with here? And then with the moonlight shining on your tent, you start to see these massive silhouettes overarching right, right above your head. And you start to wonder, hmm, what am I dealing with out there? So many of you have experienced that, I'm sure. When we began our season as tree planters out in BC, um, they got us to go through a, a brief seminar explaining to us some of the dangers, some of the realities, the risks involved with um, being a tree planter. And one of the things that they mentioned to us was, if you ever encounter a bear, um, then you need to not run. That's, that's one thing that most people make a mistake of. You don't, you don't run. Instead, we have this code word, to these two code words that we're going to get you to say, and you shout it out. It's, whoa, bear. Whoa, bear. Whoa, bear. Yeah. Can you say that? Whoa, bear. Whoa, bear. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I love second service now. You guys are great. Whoa, bear. So you say that a couple times, and the idea was that bears, they aren't actually very interested in, in humans at all. They're more interested in other creatures and, and berries and uh, all these other things, or food that you might have. So when they hear a human voice, they, it usually repels them, gets them to, to leave. And so th by saying, whoa, bear, you do two things. One, you, you tell the bear that you're a human and that sends a signal to the bear, and usually that gets them to leave. And secondly, what it does is it notifies other people who are encamped around you that there may be a potential threat close by. So I was sleeping uh, one evening, and very early in the morning, around 5 a.m., I was, I was woken up by a few voices, and what were they saying? Yes, yes, you know it. I didn't even have to say it. You knew it. Whoa, bear. I heard it once, and then I was listening. I was waiting. Hopefully, that was just a one-time occurrence. And then I heard it again from another tent close by. Whoa, bear. And it seemed like the whoa, bears were getting close, like louder and louder and louder. So I began, I was stuck in my tent. I had no windows in my tent, so I was stuck in there, wondering, okay, what's going down out there? What are we dealing with? And as I was thinking this, my thoughts were interrupted by a loud gun blast. Not one, but about three or four gun blasts. I found out later that day that there was, in fact, a bear that was roaming around in our campsite. 
And what had happened was it, one person had identified that it was a bear, shouted out, the next person, same thing. And the four men caught sight of the bear and shot one gun blast up into the sky just to, just to signal to the bear that, you know, you don't want to mess with me. Bear didn't move, so the, the foreman was forced to uh, put down the bear. So for the remainder of the trip, we slept with an electric fence around our encampment. Why do I bring this up? The reason why I bring this up is because sometimes uh, in our life, we are faced with a, a real physical threat. In this case, I, oh, we were camping, and there was a real, live, wild beast that was roaming around in our uh, campsite. The same is true within the spiritual realm. It's that there are real dangers that take place. There are real forces that come against us. And the Bible makes it extremely abundantly clear that what we as Christians have to do is actually engage in a battle against these threats. So let's, uh, let's turn right now to the, uh, the scripture passage for today. If we can, get that up on screen. With, uh, oh, like nice sparkly, yeah, great. I love the background, perfect. Good one. So for this scripture, we're, we're, let's uh, read it together. Uh, this is Peter um, talking about the, the evil one that is, um, that is around us. So let's read it together. First Peter 8 to 10. Okay. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Hey, I love this scripture that we read uh, it is so rich with truth, and it's only one, one short paragraph. But from it, we could draw so much of what is actually going on within the spiritual realm and, and understanding the threats that exist. Um, the main threat that we are talking about and what, for, uh, what uh, Peter is talking about in the letter here is the threat of Satan himself. The reality is, is that we, as Christians, we are engaged in a spiritual battle, and we need to recognize that there is an evil one who is attempting to destroy us. So verse 8 says he's a roaring lion, and Peter identifies Satan as the devil, roaring lion, whose main ambition is to destroy and devour anyone who comes his way. But what about some uh, popular views of Satan? Like if I ask the ran, uh, just a random person on the street, what, what do you think Satan, who do you think Satan is or what do you think Satan looks like? I was joking in the first service that if you ask that to someone maybe across the border, they may start to describe someone. They'd say, um, you know, he wears a suit, um, blonde hair, 
um, owns a lot of real estate and really likes building malls. And said that as a joke, obviously. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is not is not Satan. If you ask the random a random person, what does Satan look like? Oftentimes, they will they will look at movies or art, cartoons, for a depiction of of what he looks like. And very frequently, he's seen as a human character with a like a beard, red pajamas, tail, pitchfork, horns. And um, I'm not sure what the pajamas are all about, but you know, I guess throw on pajamas on Satan may as well. But a lot of people, they will look at this image and they start to think that it's all a big joke. You know? And you know, we as Christians, we are vulnerable to this perception as well. You know, to think that, you know what, maybe, maybe he's not as big of a threat as, you know, as we actually originally thought. And, you know, we get these, these images in our head that he's just this, this funny character. You know, suddenly we're not, we're not as alert to his reality. The other thing that is noticed in, in society is that there seems to be this strange gravitation towards the devil, Satan, and anything to do with evil. So there, there seems to be this force that is gravitating people towards it. And why is that? One of the things that um, C.S. Lewis warns us, cautions us on when we are studying Satan is he says, you know what, people generally tend to fall into two extremes when they study Satan. Number one is they either gain this unhealthy fascination of Satan or they disbelieve him altogether. Both of these things are things that uh, we need to avoid at all costs because both can have devastating consequences. Let me ask, why is it? Why do we even talk about Satan? Why, why do we, we're not coming to church just to talk about Satan. What's the reason why we even bring it up? And it's a good question. The reason is that the only reason why we actually discuss Satan is to better understand how the spiritual forces of darkness affect our relationship with God. In other words, it's, it's, uh, we study Satan only to better understand God's redemptive plan for humanity. That's it. That is why we, we study him. Anything beyond that is of no interest to us as, as Christians, of, as believers. The reason why we study him is to understand God better and so that we can engage in a, a right relationship with him. Now let's uh, turn to the, to the scripture. What, what does the Bible say that he actually is? So here he's described as a roaring lion. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. There's also other names given in addition to Peter's description here. And they include Lucifer, the serpent, the red dragon, evil one, Father of lies, the tempter, the accuser, thief, ruler of darkness. So all these things are different names that are used to describe Satan himself. But one thing, one thing that we need to understand right off the bat is that Satan is a created being 
He is inferior to God. He's not God's equal. He's inferior to God, far inferior. Uh, in fact, uh, Rick Warren usually says when he's talking about Satan that God is a zillion times greater in power than Satan. His well, obviously, you know, you can't quantify that. Like what a zillion? Like how, the, the point of that was that in great magnitude is is God's um, power over the power of Satan and darkness. His existence was acknowledged right from the beginning. If we look, we turn in the Bible, in the first few pages in the Bible, you'll see in Genesis, the first sin was committed when Adam and Eve gave in to Satan's temptation to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sin then entered the world and eternally separated God from humanity. So I can imagine Satan right after uh, that, that act had been done. I, I'm sure that Satan was thinking to himself, yes, my mission has been accomplished. God is separated from all of his children, and we are done. This is great. But then when Jesus came into this world, he paid the ultimate penalty for our sins on the cross. That changed everything. This was a game changer. Now all humanity was offered a relationship with God, and Satan's power over us can now be destroyed. So we, when we accept Jesus into our lives, when we accept him as our Lord and our Savior, what we're doing is we're allowing the, the hold that Satan once had on us to be destroyed. And we say, we say when we accept Jesus into our lives, it, it is a commitment saying, I will stay, stay with you and I will go where you go. I will follow you wherever you lead me and I will stand firm until the end. That is the prayer of a believer. And so when you, when you become a Christian, you are accepting Jesus. You're entering into a new relationship with Jesus. But the other thing that you're doing simultaneously is you're entering into a battlefield. You're entering into a battleground. And the reality is, is there are a magnificent amount of forces that are at work within this new relationship. The Bible makes it clear, though, that uh, one day Satan, along with his demons, will be cast into the eternal lake of fire for all eternity. Until that day comes, he knows his destination, and it's his main ambition to take with him as many as he is able, including the children of God. Now, if you, if, if you don't have a lot of power, you really want to mess with someone, you can't mess with, with a certain guy. What you do is you, you start messing with his kids. And that will really get them angry, right? So here's Satan. He has no power over God. What he's doing is he's now attacking the children of God. He knows where he's going, and he wants to take as many as possible with him, both unbelievers and non-believers. So I, before we go any further, I need to clarify. Uh, when we say Satan's attacks... I mean, a lot of different images kind of come into mind. Um, but I need to be very clear. We are not necessarily saying that Satan himself is attacking us. Because how many people know that Satan is one person? He cannot be in two places at once. He can't be attacking me and attacking Bob or Larry or any other 
know, anyone else um, at the same time, simultaneously. So, what, 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 what does he do? So he's not omnipresent like God is. So what he does have is he has, he has the fallen angels, the demons who are with him. There's also another force, another tool that is often used, and that is the sinful nature that is within us. That was passed on from us since the, the fall of man with Adam and Eve. And it's intrinsic right now to our nature as long as we're here on earth. So he uses these tools. And so when we're saying that Satan is attacking us, what we're doing is we're attributing these actions to a person. Not necessarily saying that he's the one doing everything, but it is a spiritual forces of darkness that we are against, and we call it attacks from the enemy. So right now there are virtually, these forces are virtually everywhere and affecting all believers, um, including non-believers as well. Here's the thing. There is a threat that we're identifying here. And I got good news and I got bad news. You want, who wants to hear the good news first? Good news first? Okay, one. Bad news first? Anyone? Okay, it looks like most people want to hear bad news first. So, okay, bad news first. Bad news is the Bible makes it clear that the enemy does not... Oh, he does. The enemy does indeed attack believers and... Satan and the forces of darkness are much more powerful than we are alone. So it is, yes, it is, it is a danger, it is a, a major threat, okay? The good news is that we don't need to be afraid because we may not be strong enough to overcome the forces of darkness. We may not be strong enough to overcome Satan but the one who dwells within us is. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit enters our life, we now have dominion over the spiritual forces of darkness. We now are able to stand against all the attacks of the evil one. We're now able to look at Satan and, and his demons right square in the eye and say, you have no power over me. Can somebody say amen? Love it. That is the good news. I need to clarify again, uh, clarify something else about Satan's attacks. We're not talking here about demon possession. Uh, it's possible for a believer, um, it's, a possible, it's possible for a believer to be tempted, but it's impossible for a believer to be demon possessed. The reason why is because we have inside us a Holy Spirit that is fully indwelling within us. Um, the other thing is we're not talking about a tragic life event when, specifically here, we're not talking about a, a tragic life event when we're talking about Satan's attacks. Um, things like losing your job, being in financial distress, getting sick. I mean, don't get me wrong, these things very well um, make Satan extremely happy. Uh, he loves to see people suffer. He loves to see God's children uh, in distress. But the reality is, is that's not really his main objective. And in fact, he doesn't really care very much about your situation, your circumstances, um, if it doesn't have any effect with your spiritual walk with God. He's not happy until your relationship with God is distorted or destroyed. 
So, so this is one thing that is important thing to recognize is that you know sometimes we go through um, seasons in life where things are very difficult. We go through extremely hard circumstances. Uh, some people describe it as mountaintop moments and moments where we're in the deep, dark valley. And some of you right now are going through one of your deep, dark valleys. And you're experiencing something that you feel like others can't sympathize with. And you feel like you're wondering where God is in this moment. You feel distressed. You feel alone. You feel hurt. Maybe even angry at where you're at. Um, let me tell you, uh, Satan doesn't care so much about you being in that situation, but what he does care about is what you do in that situation. He doesn't care about you being in the situation. He cares about what you do in response to your sufferings. So the main thing that he is attempting to do is to destroy you and to destroy your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You know, when Peter was writing this letter, uh, the early church themselves, they were going through some intense sufferings. And when I say intense, I mean, I'm not talking about the first story where we were camping in tents, you know, in, like in t tents. No, I'm talking about the other intents. Where this, is, this is really big, big stuff here. The early church was going through an extreme amount of opposition for, um, from almost every side, really. Uh, they were getting persecution from spreading the gospel message. And the thing was, when they were spreading the gospel message, the, the message of, of Jesus and, and the, the, the new relationship we could have with him, as the message spread, so did the opposition. And talks of a new kingdom and a new ruler it really started to cause a little bit of uh, misunderstanding among uh, society in general, especially among uh, the leaders of Judaism and the leaders of the Roman Empire. And so all these, you have all these different fronts in, in, in the physical realm. You have all these different fronts of people who are opposing Christianity. And belie believers in the, at that time, they weren't just ridiculed. They weren't just... Um, they, they weren't just thought lowly of, but very often they were beaten, imprisoned, even executed for their faith. So we're talking about some intense periods of suffering. And this is when this letter was written. Peter is talking about these sufferings that the, that the believers had to endure Right now, many of us, even though we're not, we're not um, going through this type of persecution because we live in Canada, we get to enjoy uh, the, the freedom of, of coming, meeting together, digging into the Word of God and expressing our faith. Even though we're in Canada and we're not experiencing this persecution that the early church was, what we are doing is we are, many of us are going through times of suffering. And Satan is using those moments of suffering to try to get you off track. So we're going to talk about staying strong, maintaining the course and staying strong. So I just have a, 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 few, a few small things that are, 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 we can draw out of the scripture message here. Suffering is a reality that we all face. It's external to our control. 
Satan will use these hard times in our life to attack us and steer us off track. His main ambition is to cause us to lose the blessing that God has given us. We must do exactly what Peter is mentioning here in the scripture. We must keep our perspective in check and remember that these sufferings are just temporary. So what are we, what, what are we talking about when we're saying staying strong in the midst of opposition? Peter, when he's mentioning this and when he's sympathizing with exactly what the early church is going through, he, he sends this letter and he tells them this. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. How many people know what it's like to, to not be very alert? You know, maybe you've, uh, you know, you're walking around the house and, you know, you're, you're not really thinking, you, you, you enter into a room in your house, and then you immediately start thinking, how did I get here? Why am I here? What's, what was I doing? Anyone experience that? Quite a few people, yeah. And, okay, so, some, you know, sometimes we're not always alert. Um, you know, in, in one instance, I was, um, some of you know that I have a, a new son. His name is, is Micah, and he's now uh, just about eight months old now. And cutest guy in the world. I, I love him. Uh, you know, once in a while, he get, he'll get a little bit crabby. He'll get a little bit crabby. And um, one day when I was pushing him in the stroller, you know, he was, um, he was fussing a little bit. So I thought, oh, you know, songs always work for Micah. So I started singing this song. I wanted to sing a baby song. So I, I top of my head, I started just saying, baby, baby, baby. And then the next thing I know, I'm singing, baby. Baby, baby, oh. <laughs> I, I didn't realize it, you know. See, <clears throat> when you're not alert, you know, these, these things could happen. And uh, anyway, I thought, you know, I'll get through the song. I'll get through this song once. And, and then, you know, that, that'll be that. But turns out Micah really loves that song. <laughs> so, so every time he's fussing, just turn to Justin Bieber, and there we go. So the point is, you know, when you're not alert, bad things happen. You know, thing, things you regret, you know, for, for a long, long time. When we talk about being alert and distractions, um, when you go out to the Forks or you, you travel out maybe to a cinema and park near the flower gardens, uh, what's something new that you're noticing around there? Anyone? Oh, yeah, exactly. You got it. So you, you see a whole bunch of people uh, who are playing this game called Pokemon Go. And so they're focused on their phone, you know, like this, and they're walking around, and they're like almost walking into each other, you know. Uh, and what they're doing is they're catching uh, small creatures that are found in their phone connected to their GPS device, and it's called augmented reality. And so they go to specific locations to find these creatures. And so you see a lot of this, a lot of people, you know, staring down on their phones and a lot of flicking like this, like quite a bit of that, actually. And, and then um, one of the things that a lot of people are noticing is that, you know, these distracted people are actually a little bit of a danger. And, you know, so you see people who are not just walking into each other, but walking in front of traffic, you know, and uh, walking into, you know, very dangerous situations. Uh, and one of the things that, um, that, that I've, I, I noticed um, or that I was able to see 
on a, a recent video post was there was a there was a guy who was kind of catching trying to catch a, a specific Pokemon, and he actually ended up walking right off of a dock, uh, you know, and into water that was about the water line was probably about four feet underneath the dock, and so he he landed uh, quite. Uh, um, you know, quite a quite a distance down there, and he couldn't get back up by himself. So there was about you know 15 people. You know, it was embarrassing enough to fall, you know, while playing that game, but to now have about 15 people trying to grab him and, and pull him back onto the dock. I mean, that that's that's very embarrassing. So be alert. Being alert uh, is a very important thing um, to recognize uh, some of the dangers that may be around you. The, how we be alert as, as believers is we need to focus on the eternal realm. You know, we're not constantly seeing it. We're not constantly you know, looking to see uh, Satan and his demons. So we have to make extra effort to be aware that yes, indeed, these forces are in existence and yes, indeed, they can uh, be a danger to us if if we are uh, not careful. And how do we even know when we are being attacked by the enemy? You know, you're not gonna, just going to have this big flaming arrow in your thigh one day, and you're not going to you know need to scream to your your fellow Christians in your small group, "Hey, I'm under attack! I'm under attack!" You know, you're not going to limp around with you know a big arrow from Satan uh, in your leg, but. Uh, how is it that uh, that we are able to uh, detect the attacks from the enemy? I'll tell you, it it is not what most people think. In fact, usually it's extremely subtle. Uh, the attacks of the enemy usually go underneath the radar, and that's exactly what Satan wants. If he could somehow um, make his actions unnoticed by you, and somehow you know just just very subtly you know, put his attack into something that is, or his temptations maybe, into something that is good, just to distort it a little bit. That's, that's really his preference, right? And so this is, is one of the ways that he does it. Oftentimes, it's with, it's with messing with our mind because our mind is a powerful tool that we use to navigate and to understand our relationship with God. So he will often attack us with our mind, um, so oftentimes it would be like a thought of hatred, maybe, maybe a lustful contemplation, thought of jealousy, thought of hatred, thought of doubt, which le would lead to disbelief. These are the things that he would be focusing on. And uh, even more specific, is he would love to distort your perception of God. Makes you wonder, okay, who is God? Who is he really? Here in the scripture, Peter reminds the believers, our God is a God of all grace. Our God is a God of all grace who is willing to restore you, to redeem you, to keep you firm, to keep you stand, standing strong in the face of opposition. He is a gracious God. Satan will try to distort that perception. And very closely connected is he will also try to distort your perception of yourself. And, you know, he'll start to make you think, well, does, number one, does God really love you as he says he does? And number two, are you even lovable? Like, are, I think you went way beyond uh, any forgiveness here. 
You know, these types of, of thoughts, he will enter into your, um, just plant these seeds into your mind, and you need to know how to deal with it. Peter, in response, he makes it very, very clear that he, he, he just nails it here by talking about the, the believer's identity, and he reminds them that you are called by God. That is your identity. You've been hand-chosen. From the beginning of creation, you were chosen by God to serve him and to do the work that God has created you to do. And what he wants you to do is, Satan wants to distract you from this purpose that he called you to, to distract you from the things that, he, that God has, has called you to. And the other thing that Satan will do is he will uh, change your perception of the situation you're dealing with. So when we're talking about, um, Pastor Allen did an excellent job last week talking about the storms that we face in life, the difficult circumstances. So one thing that Satan will do is he will take that difficult situation that you're in and he will blow it out of proportion. He will make it seem bigger and far worse than it actually is. And he will make it feel like the duration of that is forever. Peter, when he encouraged the believers, he, he reminded the believers that God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered, su suffered a little while, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. What he's saying is, yes, you will go through times of suffering, but don't lose heart because just around the corner is God's power, God's enabling, and God will see you through this moment. You need to not be discouraged, even though you're this, the, the intensity of this problem seems great. We serve a God that is greater. And we serve a God of eternity, not the God of the temporary world. We know that if we stand firm until the end, God will see us through and he will help us to get to where we need to be. Can somebody say amen? Amen. His attacks will often seem very small, but a small amount can go a very long way. Just, just like turning the rudder of a ship. You know, if you just twist it just a tiny bit, you can make that ship go in a, a completely different direction and, and make it lose course. Resist him. Resist him. That's, that's what Peter says. Resist him. In other words, fight back. Fight back against the attacks of the enemy. We're not just meant to sit idle. We're not just meant to stand and, and take it, take it. We're meant to go through these battles with a determination to win, a determination to exert the power of God in us. So Satan, he, um, at one point he tempted Peter, uh, tempted Peter to deny his association with Jesus. And many of you know the story um, Peter approached uh, Jesus. Jesus told Peter that within this evening, you're going to deny that you are my follower. By the end of this evening, you're going to deny me three times. 
And sure enough, later that evening, Peter was not ready to resist the attack of the enemy. He was not ready to stand firm. And so not once, not twice, but three times he gave in to temptation. Three times. Um, oftentimes it's helpful, helpful for us to recognize that um, unbelievers, um, as well as believers, you know, we, it's, it's important for us to realize that this threat of the enemy, um, regardless of, of what we're going through, he constantly tries to persevere uh, through, these dif- through these difficult times to, to get us to, to start thinking in, in different, different ways, ways that will cause us to, to be distracted from our relationship with God. So some unbelievers, you know, the, the ones that kind of doubt, um, that may, may kind of doubt his, uh, his existence uh, altogether, um, belie- unbelievers would think that Christian faith is boring, stagnant, inactive, but the reality is that they couldn't be further from the truth. The reality is, is you and I are constantly engaged in this, in this battle. Um, so what do we do in response? You know, in response to the enemy's attacks, there's some practical things that you could do. Very common, but very often, uh, Satan will tempt us with, um, just with thoughts, okay? So when he tempts you to be greedy, you fight back. You fight back by giving generously. When the enemy tempts you to want um, what's not yours, what you do is you become thankful for what you do have. When the enemy tempts you to lie, you speak out and you admit the truth. When the enemy tempts you to complain, you rejoice. When the enemy tempts you to put yourself first, you serve others passionately. For husbands, when the enemy tempts you to disregard your wife, what you do is you cherish her and speak words of love. To the wives, when the enemy tempts you to disrespect your husband, you speak words that honor him. When the enemy tempts you to withdraw from God altogether, you stay by his side. When he tempts you to stop, you keep going. When he tempts you to give up, you stay the course. When he tempts you to think that your situation is too much, you fight back by thanking God that he is more than enough. When he tempts you to believe that you are beyond forgiveness, fight back and remind yourself that his love, God's love, is endless and his grace is sufficient for you. Can someone say amen? Amen. So to fight, to resist the devil, we put on the full armor of God. Pastor Allen had mentioned this uh, in, previous, uh, in previous weeks. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Here's the thing. that All these pieces of equipment, there's... Uh, Everything is kind of meant for offense. There's no piece of equipment that covers the back. So as believers, we're never meant to run. We're never meant to run from these attacks from the enemy. But instead, we engage with the Word of God, with all these pieces of equipment that are mentioned in this passage, and we 
fight against the attacks of the enemy. The Bible says uh, in James that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And the, finally, the last thing is um, that makes that is very clear here in this in this passage is um, if we want to stand firm, we have to stay connected. Stay connected to the family of God. The the reality is you cannot win these battles alone. God has this powerhouse called the church, and he exerts his mighty power through it. So the same disciple, Peter, who wrote this letter and who denied Christ three times, he he encountered Jesus a, a second time after the resurrection. And Jesus recommissioned Peter. And this experience that Peter went through, it taught, taught him two things. Number one, God is a gracious God. No matter what you go through, he is a gracious God. Number two is that God is preparing a church that is necessary to overcome the enemy. And, and Jesus said directly to Peter, you know, this church, this mechanism, this, this mysterious organism that is, that is now going to be created, the gates of hell will not prevail over it. So, you know, when we, when we meet together on a regular basis, you know, we kind of take it for granted. You know, we go to church, it's kind of just, uh, it's just something we do. But the reality is, is that when you meet on Sunday morning, when you meet on a weekly basis, when you meet in your small group, the Bible says that we know that the Spirit of God is at work, powerful. And the, the powers of the enemy cannot prevail over us. Uh, just in closing, my um, this is actually the, the first time that I've spoken since um, my father passed away uh, um, just last year. And it was an extremely, extremely difficult time. And um, many of you know that losing a loved one can be the most devastating thing that anyone could go through, anyone could experience. And when we were going through this, uh, I have to say that there were many opportunities for Satan to attack my family, to attack me, to attack our faith. And we recognized that you know, we were in a very, very vulnerable state. But what we did to stay strong, um, and this is something that uh, my dad himself taught us to do, is to just to remain in prayer, and to stay focused on the realities that are written in Scripture. We kept opening up Scriptures. My, my uncle um, would uh, very frequently uh, open up Scriptures to us, and we would do devotions together when we were in our, our waiting room, uh, in, in the waiting room, uh, waiting for responses from the doctors. Um, but one thing that I, I, I mentioned to um, some of the people who were supporting us was, I don't know how people go through these things when you don't have a church family. One of the things that, that we recognized was that uh, our church here was praying and supporting us and standing with us 
uh, in the midst of that very, very difficult time. And, I, yeah, I want to say thank you very much for, for doing that and, be, and, and, and being there for, for our family for that. Um, the reality is, is that this mechanism, this, this church, is a powerful weapon uh, against the powers of darkness. Because when you're going through these times of sufferings, you recognize that other people are going through the, the same things, and other people can sympathize with you, and other people can lift you in prayer, the family of God. So I want to encourage you, um, just, uh, just as we close, that uh, we need to not neglect meeting together. We need to not neglect uh, coming to church and being in a small group because those things are, are our way to stay strong in the middle of some of life's uh, hardest times. And um, just wanted to share this one verse with you, Isaiah 40, 28, 31. And it says this, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the, of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Um, today, I just want to remind each and every one of us, just as Peter did, that we serve an everlasting God who is willing to be with you in the midst of your difficult uh, situations, circumstances, and he wants to provide you everything that you need to get through it. He wants to remind you that he is a loving God and he will see you through. Amen? Why don't we stand together? Father God, we thank you so much for your word that's living and active. And thank you, Father, for reminding us, Lord, that uh, when we focus on you, Father, and we, when we put into practice uh, the things in your word, Lord, being alert, Lord, and uh, standing firm in the faith uh, by staying connected to believers, Father, Lord, you have given us the, the ability to, to stand against uh, the, the weapons and uh, the forces of darkness. So I pray, Lord, that you would allow each of us um, to grow in our understanding of, of um, the spiritual forces that are at work, but also, Lord, to never stop uh, doing these, these, uh, these habits that keep us stronger, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that loves us, cares for us, and, and are willing to see us through uh, within our, our times of struggle and suffering. So I pray right now that you would dismiss us with your blessing, Father. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor now and say, stand firm.